Welcome back, Richard. It's good to see you. Hey, it's good to see you. We had a, a new had a week off, studio. Right? You're in a different room, different place. Yeah, I had to relocate this morning for some unforeseen circumstances, but here I am and missed you last week. Yes, you were you were away. You were out of town, out of state, out of out of the state, um, taking a. Everybody tells me it's a much needed vacation. I'm not sure what they mean by that, but I suspect um, the rest of the world knew that I needed a vacation, even if I didn't. That's right. That's right. I shudder to think of uh, of uh, what it was like before the vacation. So, (laughs) I'm back and everything's good. How are you doing? You're okay. Doing all right, and eager to talk about this, uh, discuss this topic today. um, Yeah, it's another another thing. Another thing we, yeah, another thing we stumbled upon, you know, yeah. that um, I hadn't I hadn't really seen. I, you know, uh, the, the person who developed this concept has another book called Hooked, um, which I had seen. I, I mean, I knew about Hooked. I haven't read it, but yeah. but I knew about it, knew about the concept. And so, um, the, but this this idea, um, I I really hadn't um, I didn't know about it before. But then yeah. I stumbled on this article called can someone with ADHD be indistractable and I thought indistractable mm-hmm. what is what is indistractable um, you know you and I you and I have done a little bit of work with ADHD over the years I think okay. between the two of us we've probably seen thousands of people with ADHD mm-hmm. so and you and I know it from a <laughs> we understand it from a <laughs> Now, full disclosure right right um, and i thought i wonder what but i i said i wonder what he means by indistractable right interesting concept does it mean um does it mean that that uh, that he'll he'll make you less distractible does it mean that um and what does he mean by distracted distracted right. from what um is it you know we all know about um people looking at that you know you're, you're talking to somebody and all of a sudden you're in a conversation and their phone buzzes or their Apple watch buzzes and they, they, they're distracted and they move to that and they move away from your conversation and to the, to the device. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, people talk to us, they'll say, well, I started cleaning. I, I did what you said. I went and started to clean my garage. And before I knew it, I was weeding the garden or right. I was running the vacuum cleaner. All of a sudden I was doing laundry. Um, and so we, 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 we meet with people all the time who, who talk about that. So I wasn't sure exactly what he meant by this concept of indistractable yeah and what's what's interesting is it's a it's a there's a there's a whole area um a whole uh yeah i guess little niche of of of, of people who are talking about these kinds of things because as i was looking more into it i i, I came across a, a tedx um mm-hmm. video uh of a woman presenting on you know just to stop following your passion um, to stop following your passion. To stop following your passion, See, and and it was you know, um, be, it was sort of the the whole idea of becoming too focused on something mm-hmm. that is that we're not focused on. It, it's it was a very interesting concept. So yes, it, it's a it's an interesting area that um, that a lot of people are talking about, right. and and it certainly seems um, you know worth some time to talk about uh, because. You know, uh, this this the author uh, near Ayal, um, as you said, he, you know, he has a, a book out um, called Indistractable, How to Control Your Attention and Choose Your Life. 
And um, and in the in the book, he ta- he talks about um, you know how do we manage distractions? Right, right. And um, and I, I wondered what kind of distraction he meant. But then, as you as you delve into it, as you read the article or read the book, um, he said if you the, the central premise of this concept is that if if you're not equipped to manage the distractions you're going to be manipulated into time-wasting activities, mm-hmm. time-wasting distractions. And right. he actually says your brain will be manipulated. Um, it just, it will just go to those places. Um, and it made me think of um, TV executives uh, uh, back in the fifties and sixties and probably into this, into the seventies. Um, the goal of TV executives was to keep people watching Right. The TV. That, that's Absolutely. what everybody wanted to do. You wanted to keep people watching because they had to be in front of the screen in order to see the commercials. Right. It wasn't so the programming, the programming was made interesting so that people would watch the commercials. And, right. and anybody who watches TV knows that you get these cliffhangers and then stay tuned and then you have a commercial. Well, you're not going to leave because you want to find out what happens in the next segment. Okay. And it began to dawn on people. We, we studied TV when I was in graduate school. There was a, uh, one of our professors had a particular interest in it. And he said, it's not products that are sold. It's people, it's viewers. What the, what, what, what's being sold is you, the viewer. And I just, I couldn't help myself. I was, I was distracted for a moment because I thought the Super Bowl is, is um, one of the most watched programs in our country. It's 112 million people watched it. And everybody talks about the Super Bowl ads. Well, it cost six and a half million dollars to build a 30 to to have a 30 second ad. Just $217,000 per second that it cost. By contrast, um, Saturday Night Live, it's a fairly popular uh, program. It has uh, about six million viewers. And it costs about three hundred thousand compared to six and a half million for a thirty-second spot. And then I read a little bit more, and you'll appreciate this. You we'll were see. very impressed that the Super Bowl has one hundred and twelve million viewers. Mm-hmm. You know what the World Cup viewer audience is? Uh, a lot more than that. Thirty-one billion with a B. Right. Uh, that's un- it's half the world's population, just about. Mm-hmm. It's a portion of the world's population that watches the World Cup, mm-hmm. and I didn't. I had no idea. That, yeah, that's enough. You did, right? You knew that, right? Yeah. No, the um, there there are a few tournaments like that that garner tremendous attention from all over the world. You know, we happen to be in another country when the in, in the summertime when the World Cup was on, and it was a South American country. The, the, everything stopped when that right. when that match was on people just congregated to mm-hmm. places where there was a tv yeah. and I, and then i said oh okay that's why 31 billion people yeah. are, it's all over the world you know? yeah and, but, but but you know the the whole idea as you were talking about with tv and with ads the, the whole idea is to keep you engaged and we know that there are the industry um 
various industries have that focus, you know, social media, we've talked before on the podcast about how social media is designed to keep you engaged, uh, video games. Um, we, we had, a, we did a podcast before on the, um, you know, the work that's being done at Stanford, um, Stanford university where they're, they're building games, but the idea is to, is to look at how addictive they can make them that's you know, right. where they get, people get stuck. And, and that's why, you know, uh, achievements and, and different things are built into the games to keep you engaged mm-hmm. um, in such a way that you, you don't leave it. Um, you know, I remember when, I don't remember when first Facebook first came, do you know when Facebook came out? I don't, I don't know the year that it was, I don't remember. but um, people were adopting it. You know, they were the early adopters and then mm-hmm. some people came later and I was working with a woman she was a few years older than I was. So she was really new to all of this. And she came in one morning and she said, Richard, I get it now. I understand. She said, I got on Facebook last night and she said, four hours went by. Yeah. And I have no idea where the time went. She said, I can see now why people, and she was a psychologist by training and, um, but new to Facebook, new to the internet. And she said, I can see now why Mm -hmm. people talk about just losing themselves. She said, you could just, she didn't call it rabbit holes. She didn't have the vocabulary to say you get on these rabbit holes, but she said, you just go deeper and deeper. And she said, I was looking up and she was probably in her sixties at the time. And she said, I was going back to high school uh, mm-hmm. classmates. You know? right. And she said, um, and she was, she was astonished with how quickly the time went by. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, for some of these reasons, like the diagnostic and statistical manual, mm-hmm. um, from the American Psychiatric Association, uh, they're they're they've identified internet gaming disorder right. as sort of a condition for further exploration and mm-hmm. further study. Um, and you know, again, we've kind of talked on the podcast before about our perspective of addiction right. and, and and that kind of thing. Um, but the, there are there are many attributes of the way that we get hooked into some of these things that that do closely resemble. Um, an addiction, uh, but it's you know it's it's difficult because these these um, media are are designed to keep you engaged, mm-hmm. to keep you attending to it, and part of that is because of oh, often creating short term goals, right? Um, that that are achievable, but also um, there's constant change. And, um, you know, that's, that's the thing with the ads, right. Is that there's the anticipation of something enjoyable. Um, but then they change ads are only 30 seconds. And so if you're getting something new every 30 seconds, then it keeps you engaged. Right. That's right. And so, so we all know, we know now that these, these things are built to be, so we don't have to use the word addiction, Right. But they're 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 made to be attractive or right. appealing or compelling. And um you you don't it's not true addiction in the classic sense of the word. Um, right. um one one writer pointed out that video games take skill, they take cognitive engagement and skill, uh dexterity, whereas gambling is just sort of luck. And there's no there's really no money involved in video games. There's no there's there right. isn't that kind of game. So it doesn't fit the classic addiction model that we typically think of but we all know that it's very attractive very appealing yeah. and people will spend a lot of time on um social media on social media and gaming that sort of thing right. so we thought okay so let's take a closer look at 
this this concept, uh, Eyal's concept of um, indistractable. One of the things I like about the concept is that being indistractable means that you're striving toward. It doesn't, you're going to, it's like a skill. It's like a motor skill. Mm -hmm. Um, You you have to work to get better at it. It's not a, it's not some package deal where you say, okay, if I do this, I'm, I'm indistractable. It's a striving to do what you what you want to do, how you want to live your life. It's striving to do what you say you're going to do, even if you're saying it to yourself. Right. Like, like I want to be I want to be good at fill in the blank, whatever it is. Right. And it is being indistractable is staying staying on that message and doing what you need to do to achieve that goal. Now there's more to it than that, but it's a process, not just a, a static um, strategy. Right. And, and that, and so what that sort of suggests is that you, you sort you know what you value, you know, what you're, you're working towards. That's right. And, and you're doing, you're actively doing things, intentionally doing things right. to work in that direction, to move towards that goal or that value. That's right. Um, but it requires a little bit of organization, of course. Um, that's right. And that's where I think a lot of people may have a little bit of difficulty uh, because you have to organize your life in a way that requires that forethought. You have to anticipate it and, and prepare for it. Right. And that's right. And so in being indistractable has these two organizing components. One is your values. What is it that you value? And, and when we talk about ADHD a little later in the podcast, because this is a little more difficult with people with ADHD, because by definition, they're distractible. Right. Okay? But it begins with your values. What do you value? And, and this is one of the things I really like about the concept is it begins with what you value. And then how do you organize your life around that value system? Okay. And so by organizing your life, there, there's three key concepts here. One is organizing your life takes planning and forethought. Right. You know, but this is this is we're in the summer here in, in our hemisphere. And this is when people typically go on vacation. Right. Well, you know, most people spend more time planning a vacation than they do planning their lives. I mean, we know right. that that people will spend hours and days planning and packing and preparing far more than they spend planning their lives. Right. Okay. In order to organize your life, you have to control your attention. That's a tall order for somebody with ADHD. I understand that. But you have to control your attention so that you stay on that path, whatever path you've set for yourself. Because if you are constantly distracted, you're constantly being removed. You're constantly... um, you know, you're encountering all these obstacles to achieving the life that you want to achieve, not just achieving short-term goals, but living the life that you really want to live. Okay. Yeah. And then the other thing I like about this is that, is that you're choosing, it made me think of William Glasser and his choice theory where you you're deciding what kind of a life you want to live and that you have agency that, that you're, you are in control, but you have to manage the distractions. Otherwise, you're not going to live the life that you really want to live. And if you don't, 
that could lead to all kinds of problems. Absolutely. So when you, when you take all these together, you know, what it sort of, what it, the premise begins with this idea that you, you, you have to, you have to have some direction, mm-hmm. um, sort of have some ideas to where you're going, what your values are so that right. you can, um, you know, and once you have the idea of what your values are, then you can, you can sort of imagine or or plan for this life that you want to live. And you can look, you know, kind of create a path um, and see the the steps that you need to take to work in that direction. And that then is where your attention is focused. Right. Um, and, and it reminds me of you know, the idea of developing motivation. Right. You, know, you develop yeah. motivation through uh, success, through through achievement. And so if you know which direction you want to go, if you know what your values are and where you're wanting to go, each step you take in that direction is likely to provide you more motivation to keep going in that direction because you're making achievements, you're, you're working, you're finding progress and those kinds of things. You know, if you're, if you're on a diet, there's nothing more motivating than seeing the scale go down. And so Mm -hmm. as soon as you achieve a little bit, then you start to find more motivation to achieve more. Right. When you, when you can finally get into that pair of pants that right. you haven't been able to button, your COVID pants, you know, that you haven't been able to button because you gained 15 pounds or right. the freshman 15, right? Yeah. Um, so in the book um, that, that he wrote, he, he talks at length about the four things you have to do to control your attention, okay? Right. And, and we don't want to spend too much time talking about that, but he said there's four things you have to do. You'll have to expand, and I think, first of all, you have to identify, what are your internal triggers? What moves you toward your goal? What, right. you know, is it the scale? Is it the clothes you wear? Is it uh, making, impressing other people? You know, what, what are your internal triggers? What moves right. you toward your goal? And then you need to know those and you need to expand on them right. so that your internal triggers are driving you. They're keeping you focused. Okay. Right. Right. And what we're talking about, again, you can think of the way or the way that at least I took them is that that idea of internal triggers. That's your motivation. Right. Those are the those are the short term goals, things that you're doing. You know, those small steps that you can take towards that long term goal that will propel you and drive you forward um, to take the next step. Right. But, and this is where the plan, this is where the forethought comes in. you got to think about this stuff. You know, what, right. what's really, this is what we mean by values. What do you value? Okay. Right. The second thing is make time for traction. I like the concept of traction. I, that resonates with me for some right. reason. Um, traction is the opposite of distraction. Dis, of distraction, right? And I never, I never made that connection, but you want to get traction. Now, Freud said that there, there are two important things in life, and they're love and work. Aol adds a third, and that is you. So he said, there, there are three things that define us. One is work, one is yourself, and one is your relationship. So instead right. of love, it's relationships. And this is where your values reside, is on these three things. And I think he's absolutely right about that. Right. But when you start to organize your life, you're really organizing it around your work, your self-care yourself and your relationships mm-hmm. and those are the three those are the three organizing principles and then so the first one is 
you have your internal triggers. The second one is you define your values around these three key concepts. And then the third is you have to eliminate the external triggers, right. the, the things that are that are getting in your way. Right. right? Um, what are the things that are gaining access most of all to your time? Right. Okay. And, and this is the thing I think that's one of the most difficult for people, because what that means is you you have to get rid of some of those things that that eat up your time. Right. Many times that's social media or that's gaming or that's other, you know, you know, electronics and, and different things that consume so much of our time. Uh, you know, the example you gave earlier of the person who, you know, shared that, you know, four hours was immediate, was so, was gone so quickly. Right. Um, you know, when you are in a situation and you find that that much time can disappear, you know, right. you can get a lot done in four hours. Right. Well, you know, whether, well, whether you're talking about work or you're talking about your relationship or you're talking about improving yourself, mm -hmm. there's a lot that you can do in four hours. That's right. If you're, you know, um, there was a statistic that came out years ago that we often use that the average teenager spends five hours a day on um, electronics, social okay. media. Well, five hours is a, is a, if you're in school, if it's during the school year, Five hours is a big chunk of your day, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And so, if that's where you're spending your time, yeah. what are you losing? Are are you are you focused on your values, or mm -hmm. are you focused on these five hours? And so, right. you know, what are the things? What are the external triggers that are getting in your way? Right. Um, we interviewed an exercise specialist yep. a couple of years ago, and he said the key is what are you willing to give up to right. accomplish what you want to do. You right. know, it's not just it's not just what you're going to do. It's what what are you willing to give up? You know, is it right. TV? Is it right? And that goes to IL's uh fourth piece to this, and that is preventing other distractions. Right. You know, that that I think you're that same um interviewee, he he talked about wanting to work out at the gym and and finding it difficult to come mm -hmm. home from work and then getting everything ready and then going back to the gym. And so, you know what he would do is he would pack his gym bag the night before and take it with him to work to right. prevent the distraction of coming home and getting stuck at home because it is really difficult to come home after a full day of work and then leave again uh, to go right. work out. And so he would take everything with him and just go straight to the gym from work. And so um, this idea of preventing distractions, mm -hmm. you have to have a system in place for it. You, you yeah. have to have steps and mechanisms set up to prevent those distractions. Right. Yeah, I think, didn't he say that he would get home and just flop on the sofa and eat uh, Hershey? I think it was Hershey Kisses or something. Yeah, something like Some that. kind of chocolate, right? And so not only was he sedentary, but he was also adding calories. Mm -hmm. And he, and that's what he had to stop doing. And so you're right, he would pack his gym bag and have it ready to go. So instead of going to the sofa, the gym bag was at the doorway or something. He, yeah. he left it at the door and he would open the door and grab his gym bag and leave. And he was ready to go. But again, it takes planning. Right. And that's what that's what I always saying is you got to think about the stuff and plan it. Right. Um, and so we know that it's more difficult today because until the 1990s, there weren't there really weren't that many distractions. Um, right. People had hobbies. You know, they would spend time fiddling with hobbies. Mm -hmm. There was TV, but. There wasn't much content. There weren't that many stations. Even you remember when there were only three stations, right? Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And there was entertainment. People would go to concerts or movies or, you know, go to parties. They'd 
you know, teenagers would look forward to Friday and Saturday nights so they could go out and do things. And there were other interests, but by and large, most of most of the distractions were much more manageable yeah. in those years. But today, the landscape is vastly different. And right. you can make a list of all the, I mean, you could just go Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, Discord, you know, yeah. TikTok. I mean, they're, 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 it's much, it's a much more challenging today than it was uh, even uh, less than a generation ago. Absolutely. And, and so, and not only, you know, do you have the, the social media things, but then you have, again, as we talked about before, the things that are so, somewhat specifically designed to maintain your attention and to maintain your focus. Right. Um, and I think that because we live in a world that's so informed all the time, mm -hmm. um, it has contributed to this idea of um, people just fearing that they're going to miss out on something. Right. That's you know, because we know because we can know so much about what's going on, we want to know everything that's going on. And right. so it's this weird um it's just this weird dynamic that has developed as the world has gotten smaller and we've um gained more and more access to information. Right. Now we just want more and more information. I have to stay informed. I yeah. have to keep up. I have but my goodness. Where does it stop? You know, because you want to you want to keep up with world affairs. You want to keep up with the news. You want to keep up with. Well, we, we you know, we did a couple of podcasts a few weeks ago on some of the mass shootings and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I have said many times on the podcast, I don't watch the news. I don't I don't read the newspaper. I don't watch the news for a variety of reasons. But it's one of those things that you can just get sucked into and, and get stuck. And I had a couple of patients come in. um, you know, this past week asking me if I had seen about, you know, this person who, you know, th this person that was killed or this person that was, yeah. thing that happened, you know, a couple of towns <laughs> over. I was like, no, nah, I, I don't know anything about those things. And, and, you know, you really feel like, okay, maybe I should know these things. And, no. you know, but you know, people will say, did you know that? And then they'll tell me something. And I, say, <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. Right. And it's not that I'm not informed, but I'm just not interested in, I guess, Ben <laughs> Ben Affleck and what's her name? Jennifer Lopez got married. <laughs> so, so this is some big deal in, in that world, you know, that they finally got married. And I didn't know much about that. You know? I thought they were married a long time ago. I don't know. <laughs> See what I mean? You are, you are, you're, <laughs> yeah, it, but that's stuff that, that that's not it's just not important to me well i come i would come in often and say well did you i would say well did you did you see that georgia won the national championship and you just kind of shake your head very nice you were very polite about it <laughs> you say no i missed that one yeah <laughs> and most of the world most of the country at least the southeastern part of the country is the world stops during the college football playoffs, you know, yeah. your world doesn't change much during that time of year. No, I think that happens. What in December, January, somewhere around there. So <laughs> you're, hope, you're hopeless. Um, so, so what, what Ayala is, is talking about here in his book is the, the concept of replacement theory. We, right. we want to replace uh, distraction with traction. Okay? okay. So the question becomes, can people with ADHD do this? Right. Now, that's what the article was about. Can someone with ADHD? Um, and so 
I guess he interviewed a, an ADHD coach. Her name is Caitlin O'Brien Bauer. Um, and he did a, he interviewed her during a podcast and the art, this article, can someone with ADHD be indistractable? This article is, is taken from notes from that podcast with her. And there were three takeaways, three messages from, from um, that interview. Yeah. One of them is define yourself by your values, not your diagnosis. And uh, that's really good advice. And I think that's something I'm going to start using with, especially my adult patients with right. ADHD is we're going to, we're going to spend some time talking about their values. Well, it's, it's, it's good, not just for ADHD, but it's good for anything. And, you know, we, we often hear from patients, especially, unfortunately, especially kids and teenagers, you know, uh, well, I couldn't help it because I have ADHD. Um, I, I couldn't help it because I have this or I have that. And, you know, you start defining and, and thereby limiting your world and your abilities based upon your diagnosis, right? Um, as opposed to saying, you know what, this is something that's really important to me. A, a, a good friend has um, often reminds me that we, um, you know, when it's something that's important to us, we find the time for it, right? Right. And so it, it's sort of the same thing with what we're talking about here. If you find, if you have a value that's important to you, you're going to find the ability to attend to it. You're going to find the ability to, to put some focus on it because, because it's important to you. And those important things, we, we have motivation to move towards them. Right. You know, because you take a, a typical 12, 10 to 15, 16-year-old preteen teenager, they're doing something with their time. Right. You know, they, they say, well, I have ADHD. Or I have bipolar disorder, or I have this, or I have that. Yeah, I understand that. But you're doing something with your time, and you're making a conscious choice. Mm -hmm. You're choosing that for some reason. Right. And, you know, it's not, you know, like Flip Wilson used to say, the devil made me do it. No, you're making a conscious decision. That's what I like about William Glasser. He said, I don't care. You're still making a decision. Right. You're, this is a conscious decision. And so, but your decision should be based on your values. Right. Okay, and, that, and I like that idea. And if we break it down, that that's really what we do, you know. Um, that's when, right. a, when a person isn't, when a kid, a teenager isn't doing their homework, and because they're and they're playing video games, it's not because they have ADHD. It's because their video games are more valuable to of uh, higher value to them than their homework. Than their homework, right? Right. Um, and so, you know, shifting that idea so that that we become our value, that we, we start to live our life through our values, not our diagnosis is really that's important. Right. And that, I think that's a, that's a huge shift that I'm going to spend more of my clinical time mm -hmm. talking about. Okay. Yeah. Um, sort of an expansion of Glasser and Alfie Cohen and others who say, you know, these are, these are decisions that yeah. you make. Uh, right. um, and the second one is, is how we structure our time. And Ayao mm -hmm. um, uses the word, time boxing and i have to confess that this is something i'm going to have to read a little bit more about because i'm i'm having a hard time figuring out exactly how i want to do this the adhd coach um said that this was a game changer for her this idea of time boxing because for people with adhd everything is equally important and she's absolutely right about that i mean they're just clutter okay and that's why 
people with ADHD don't do well with to-do lists because they'll have a list of 25 items. They got overwhelmed and then they go do what is comforting to them, whether it's right. video games or eating or drinking or whatever they do. So a to-do list overwhelms, but instead they talk about using these time boxes. And I, from what I understand, a time box is simply a period of time that you're going to use, that you're going to devote to a particular activity. Right. Yeah. And I, I, I actually use this. I don't, I've never referred to it as a time box, but mm -hmm. I, I use this strategy a lot of times with my, with kids that have ADHD and, and their parents. And, right. um, and I, I think that you've used something similar where you, you say, okay, let's, let's set up a time specific for right. homework. Okay. So nothing else can happen during this time frame, And, and right. it's, it's always a battle initially with, with kids because um, it, you say, okay, let's set up this 30 minute time period from four o'clock to four 30, where you're just doing homework. You're not playing video games during that time. You're not going outside during that time. It's just homework time. Right. And invariably the question is, well, what if I finish in less than 30 minutes? Um, then I, then, uh, then I should be done. Right. And parents will often sometimes say, oh yeah. Then if you're finished, then you, right. you can talk. That just means you're going to rush through it. No, right. it doesn't matter how long it takes you to do anything. This it, using these terms, this time box, this, this box of time, 30 minutes is solely dedicated to doing homework. So if right. you finish your math and early, then that means you read the rest of the right. time, or it means you, you know, review this work for the rest of the time. Um, but it's dedicating this time to a specific value. Right. Um, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier that you, you have to be able to identify what those values are. Right. But you, you, you identify specific blocks of time specifically for them. Right. Yeah. There's no thing I'm finishing early. I finished my homework early. No, yeah. you, the, the time box turns values into time. That's what okay. you're talking about is yeah. that this 30 minutes remains in place. Right. It's, it's, it, it just, that remains in place. So what you're doing is you're translating your value into a specific time period. Right. Okay? And that's what, that's what people with ADHD need. And then the third thing is you have to know what activates your brain. And this right. is sort of that idea of your internal triggers. Okay. The problem with people with ADHD is their brains are fueled by their interests. <laughs> their, their interests change from day to day, moment to moment, and they're flitting yeah. from thing to thing based on their interest. Um, what people with ADHD, I, I think most of us, what most of us need to learn how to do is what kind of a commitment will work for you? Right. Um, what, what is your commitment? I call it commitment central. Okay. Where's your commitment center? Is it, is it something about yourself? Some people say, well, if I, if I lose 10 pounds, I will reward myself with a new outfit. Okay. Mm -hmm. For some people that works. Okay. Yeah. Other people, it's I'm going to do this because I've met a new, I have a new person in my life and I want to sure. look nice for her. And so that's going to motivate me. For other people, the doctor says, if you don't get your glucose down, this is these are going to be the health impairments. Okay. Or is it a support group like Weight Watchers? Okay. Weight Watchers works for a lot of people because you have to go back to the group every week right. and you know that, and that sort of keeps you, or AA. Holds you know, yeah. accountable. Right. The group holds you accountable. Many people say, well, AA doesn't work for me. Well, that just means that that's 
you have to find what does work for you. Right. That doesn't it doesn't work for everybody. Um, so you have to find where commitment central is for you. Um, right. What activates your brain that will keep you focused? And everybody has that. I mean, even if you have ADHD, again, okay, fine, you have ADHD, but I but there is something that keeps you committed. Right. And, and, you know, and that, again, kind of takes me back to think about sort of an error, I'll say, that, that many parents will make when working with their kids, um, whether it's a kid with ADHD or, or not. You know, we tend to focus on grades as being the the focus that right. well, that should they should be motivated because, you know, they want to get into a good college. And to get into a good college, you have to have at least a 4.0 GPA in high school. Right. Well, he's only in eighth grade. And if he's only in eighth grade, the likelihood is that none of his classes are counting towards that high school GPA right now anyways. And they know that. And they absolutely know that. And even if if they didn't, four years from now, when they graduate high school, that's an eternity. Right. When you're that age, four years is forever. Right. I mean, they've they've only gone through two-thirds for the most part, two thirds of their, their, their learning. So they're, they're not, they're not going to be able to think that way. You're not tapping into their commitment center, as you put it. Um, You have to find what's motivating for them or what's um, what, what helps drive them to work towards their interests or their goals or their values and, and focus there instead of, you know, something that is motivating to ourselves. Um, Right. And, you know, I often say to parents that, no, that's your value. Mm-hmm. Does your child share that value? I mean, I, 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 I like it when, you know, a parent says, well, I want her to go to NYU. I want her to go to Clemson or I want her to get into right. UF. And the child has exactly the same value. And so mm-hmm. then, then both parent and child are working in the same direction. Right. Or you have two partners working right. for the same goal. That's that's the ideal, is right. you have two people working in tandem to accomplish the same goal. Right. But if it's a parent's goal, the kid may or may not be motivated to do it. Well, and, and I think that we're, we're kind of pointing out here the difference between a value and a goal. Exactly. You know, yeah. going, to, going to NYU is a goal. Mm-hmm. Doing well in school and, and learning and that's a value value. Um, and so those are the two different, those two different things. Right. Um, one is very specific. One right. is a, a sort of a broad concept that guides our, should guide our life. Right. Um, you know, if you're, if, if your sole commitment is that you're going to get into NYU and something happens and NYU closes and they, they stop you. Okay. Now what are you going to do? That's right. You know, so your your goal should be to to you know be informed and learn and and you know broaden your education, not be the sole focus be so restricted that you know something could happen and you, you it not be successful and then what happens and then where do you go? That's right, right. And so, what this comes down to these two concepts of controlling your attention. And, and not allowing yourself to be distracted by all these distractions. And then also to define your values so that you control your life. So right. it's really control your attention and and uh, identify your values. Okay, So right. attention and values. 
Right. So to summarize, uh, this this what I what I like about this concept of indistractable is first of all it's vocabulary. Right. I, I like the way he phrases things. I like the words he uses. Uh, it's it, I get it. You know, when he talks about traction instead of distraction, mm-hmm. I understand that. Okay, so I like that. Right. The, the second thing I like about it is that it's a process. It's right. you know, uh, it's it's you know, like he's saying. He said in in the book and in the article that indistractable doesn't mean you don't have distractions. You're going you're going to have distractions, sure. but now you have a way of managing that. Right, and, and, it, and with that in mind, it's a set of skills right. that you can hone and improve upon. Right, um, and and the more that you improve on those skills, the more that we improve with our ability to focus and attend. That's right. Yeah, it's it's like anything else. In fact, the um, the uh, ADHD coach said that when she started, uh, the t- she was talking about time boxing. Mm-hmm. And she said, when she first started time boxing, I think she set aside two times during the day to do something that was important to her. Mm-hmm. And so she blocked out those two times. And she said, over time, she blocked more and more things until, and she said, and now there's only a couple of white spaces in her weekly calendar. Mm-hmm. Is, is it, she, she has learned and developed that skill. Um, so you, you start, start small and you build and you uh, learn how to use these things and get better and better at it as you, as you learn how to use them. Absolutely. Right. It, there's also a, there's also a, a major component of it that is rooted in mindfulness, you know, right. just being a, aware of what you're doing and where you're doing it and how you're doing it and when you're doing it and just, just being mindful of of right now. Yeah, that that's the other thing that I liked about it is that it it um, it ties in this whole concept of mindfulness of being mindful of what you're doing and especially with values. You know that you spend time thinking about you know what's really important to you. I think of I think of a young man I've been seeing for a long time and he has he has pretty significant ADHD and. Uh, it has affected his life, and but um, he needs to become more. He needs to identify his values. I mean, he right. still has values. There, there are things that are important to him, but he's not always pursuing his values. He spends right. a lot of time being distracted. You know? Absolutely. So and even he has values. I know that because I've known him. Well, in, in in that sense, you know, this this when you pull some of those strategies that that really make sense, you know, like you mentioned time boxing again just a moment ago and the the, the command central that we talked about a, a few minutes ago. Yeah. Um when you when you pull all those pieces together and you tie that into your values, it, it the goal then is to give you agency. It, it puts you in charge of what you're doing in your life. Instead, right. of, instead of being defined again by your your disability or your 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 dis, your diagnosis, mm-hmm. you are defining yourself intentionally. You're you're right. defining yourself in a way that you want to be defined through your values and your and your goals, and and that is a is a massive difference. You know, I was I was reading an article the other day, and sadly, unfortunately, it was one of those things that I didn't keep, but um, it was interesting, but. And it was about, it was written by a psychiatrist who said that, you know, what we call mental illness may not really be a chemical imbalance. It may just be, you're just not satisfied with your life. Okay. Right. That, that 
you know, and it's just part of the human condition. Mm -hmm. And that sort of resonated. And, and I thought, yeah, that that's true in a way, because many people we see are not, don't have a brain based imbalance problem. Okay. They, right. they're just not happy with their life. William Glasser made a career uh, talking about right. that. He said, you're unhappy because you're not living the life that you really should be living. Mm -hmm. And you're making, you're making choices that aren't consistent with your values. Right. And what this does, what, what indistractable does is it gives you a process you can use to bring those things closer together. So I think it's, it's, it, it's consonant with this idea that maybe you don't have a mental illness. Maybe you just don't like the way your life the way you're living the life that you're living and creating for yourself absolutely and again in this sense you know this this the idea presented here it talks gives you agency so that you can right you know be get closer to the life that you want to live or that you should be living so mm -hmm. right yep get All traction right. instead of distraction absolutely yeah. well i, never I think that's I think that's it for today. Um, there's a link to the article in the show notes. Mm -hmm. um, you can read more about it. And there, there uh, Nair, um, Ayer has, um, Ayel, sorry, yep. near Ayel. He has uh, some YouTube videos. He has his own podcast and stuff out there. So you can check that out and, and learn more about uh, his stuff. Um, it's, it seems pretty good so far from what we've seen. Right. Yeah. I like the, I like the idea. It's something that, um, I think is is easy to translate into practice, but also personally, um, I'm I'm going to be able to use some of these things, and certainly I'll be able to use them with some of the some of the youngsters that I see. Absolutely. All right. In All right. Okay. Well, that's okay. it. That's it for today. Until next time, stay happy, stay healthy, and forget to be afraid. <laughs>